the news from Back Home Magazine. Today's news is about living with less electricity. Most folks don't take the time to consider that we've only had electric power for the last hundred years or so. Before the turn of this century, going back to the beginnings of mankind, there's no record of any past civilization that ever used electricity on a significant scale. A few Middle Eastern archaeological discoveries have suggested the possibility of some form of primitive storage battery, which would lead to the theory that electric power might have been used for something, perhaps ceremonial. But there certainly isn't evidence of ancient light bulbs, motors, wiring, pop-up toasters, or similar technology that would suggest anything like what we have today. So, living without electricity has actually been normal for mankind throughout history. Today's luxuries that we take for granted, like television, home heating, air conditioning, kitchen appliances, and so much more, all require lots of electric power to build and then even more to operate. Unfortunately, lost in this wonderful world of comfort, we often confuse what we want with what we need. For example, when the cold winter hits and the temperatures plummet, you need to stay warm or you'll freeze to death. You might want the convenience of an electric heat pump whole house system, but a basic wood-burning stove is all you need based on tens of thousands of years of experience. In the hot summer weather, you can see thousands of folks driving around with the windows up and air conditioning on because they want to stay cool and comfortable, while never even considering whether they needed to be driving around in the first place. There are loads of other examples every day where we confuse what we want with what we need, and it's this confusion that leads to the thinking that we need all the energy and electricity that we use. Now, there's nothing wrong with using electricity in and of itself. But wasting it on things we don't need has created most of our problems with pollution and the environment. Fortunately, there are practical alternatives to the most wasteful uses of electricity. Instead of an electric stove, cook with gas. Instead of an electric hot water heater, use solar panels or gas. Instead of a huge electric freezer, Use a super-insulated, well-designed unit that can run off propane, 12-volt power, or regular home power. Instead of designing your new home to simply plug into the grid, design with the sun in mind to get some free winter heat, free indoor lighting, and even free air conditioning for most of the summer. Instead of having your exposed plumbing pipes wrapped with hundreds of watts of heating tape to keep them from bursting in the winter, super-insulate them or bury those lines to prevent freezing in all but the most sub-zero conditions. These approaches leave lots of electricity for things that really do need to operate with power, like computers, videos, stereos, communications, and just maybe... Most importantly, radio stations and CDs like the one you're listening to right now. For information, 
about living with less electricity is available from Back Home Magazine at 800-992-2546 or on the web at backhomemagazine.com. The news from Back Home is produced in cooperation with WNCW Spindale, North Carolina, with support from AirCheck Incorporated on the web at radon.com. Back Home Magazine is published bi-monthly in North Carolina, south of Hendersonville, on West Blue Ridge Road, just east of the old Flat Rock. For all the folks back home, I'm Ryan Doyle. Thanks for listening. And you are listening to your community spirit. This is Orda Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And we are here to give you, well, hopefully, an exciting and informative half hour of community, as in world community events. So, Mm -hmm. if you have sent something in, well, we will talk about it. Let's start with the holidays. Mm -hmm. Today is Friday, the 6th of March. And today is middle name Pride Day. Do you have pride in your middle name? Well, <laughs> in my case, I no longer have a middle name. You don't even have a last name. No. Before I changed my name, it was Justin Patrick O'Neill. Hey, you have just let everybody know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Some people know anyway. Yeah, see. Uh, and Patrick was named after an uncle, so. <laughs> so I do like my former middle name. And today is the anniversary of the fall of the Alamo. And also, World Day of Prayer. <laughs> so, there are people all around the world right now praying. And they were probably praying as the Alamo fell. <laughs> 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 so, yes, World Day of Prayer. So, uh, coming up tomorrow, there's a few holidays. Genealogy Day. Uh, I've been meaning to look into genealogy. Uh, National Be Heard Day. So, I guess you got to be sure to speak your mind and to shout if they can't actually hear you. What do you say? <laughs> uh, and the anniversary of the Suez Canal opening. Suey! Sunday, March 8th is Check Your Battery Day. Bzz, better check those batteries. And the beginning of Daylight Savings. Yes. They have moved it up a couple weeks to actually save more energy. And they found out that they've saved a lot of money. And, of course, energy in the process. So Yeah. So we spring forward. We set the clock forward. <laughs> That's, it's a little way to remember. Like, in spring, you spring forward. In fall, you fall back. And um, it's International Working Women's Day on Sunday and the UN Day for Women's Rights and International Peace. That's pretty good. We have World Day of Prayer, National Be Heard Day, and the Day for Human Rights and International Peace. Right yeah. there in a row. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get the happenings. International Coffee Hour is every Friday. You can start your weekend off right with a trip to International Coffee Hour on Friday afternoon between 3 and 5 p.m. at the International Programs and Services Meeting Room. Enjoy free refreshments and interesting conversation with people from all over the world. Okay, and uh, let's see. After that, there's the... Uh, Oh, an announcement from the Peace Coalition. Uh, we've got they've got the vigil for peace 
It's meeting every Saturday, noon to one. They've been doing that for quite a long time. Uh, well, over see. six years. Yes, over six years. And they're having on, coming up in a little while on Saturday, March 21st, is uh, unfortunately the sixth anniversary of the invasion of Iraq. So they're having a after vigil, they're going to have uh, stuff to do too. I hate that we can't, I mean, it's supposed to be this first day of spring. Yeah. And we get to celebrate the invasion of Iraq on the same time. Yeah. Why, why did our government have to ruin my spring like that? Yeah, that's, I'm not happy about it either. Oh, I, well, it kind of ruined some Iraqi spring, too. Yeah, but. it ruined their spring, too. <laughs> but, but, yeah, it's spring, you know, I celebrate the, those holiday transitions very much so. So every every year now. <laughs> I, I tend to think they did it, like, to build on the spring energy. Like, they wanted, like, you know, it's a time when there's a bunch of energy in the air and, you know, flowers are blooming and animals are coming back out. And they probably wanted to capitalize on that to go kill people. <laughs> I think they just followed that spring forward thing yeah <laughs> unfortunately so uh yeah we we mentioned this uh earlier uh world day of prayer a worldwide ecumenical movement of women of many faith traditions for 2009 women of papa new guinea developed the theme uh in christ there are many members yet one body um at the carbondale first united methodist church uh today uh they're going to be uh, talking about that at Bible study at 10.30 and sack lunch at 11.30 and celebration and worship at 12.15. So there's local observances of World Day of Prayer. And the Big Muddy IMC is showing big issues on the big screen at the Big Muddy IMC. Brother Minister, a part of Black History Month, the assassination of Malcolm X. Film probing the 1965 assassination of Malcolm X, this provocative documentary lays emphasis on the political climate that preceded the murder, including the controversial black leaders' planned collaboration with Martin Luther King. The partnership was simple. King would lead efforts in the South while Malcolm X took the North. But the film puts forth a shocking conspiracy theory that the U.S. government deliberately kept the two leaders apart. That's today, March 6th, at the Big Muddy Independent Media Center, at 7 p.m. What is that? 214? Yeah, 214 North Washington in Carbondale. So let's see. Habitat Workday uh, coming up on Saturday. That's tomorrow. They just started like two weeks ago on this new house. So this will be like the third week, and it's in Murfreesboro. Yeah. And so they'll be working on it over the course of the spring. But this is your chance. I mean, they need like 10 to 12 people. Right in the beginning, they need a lot more people because, well, they're building a house. And then as time progresses, of course, they need, well, less people, but they still need help. And so um, every Saturday throughout the course of the next few months, from 8 until noon, Habitat for Humanity is going to be out there building a house. Mm -hmm. And um, let's see. The address is 2217 Rob Lee Street in Murfreesboro. So every Saturday from 8 until noon, and we will mention it every Friday because the chance to build a house for somebody else, this is, well, it's a chance in a lifetime for some people to have yeah. a house and a chance in a lifetime for some other people to build a house. So. Yeah, it's a big opportunity. So in other happenings, the Matrix Trilogy. A Metamyth for Our Times, the Humanist Roundtable presentation and discussion facilitated by R. 
Michael Fisher, Ph.D. Um, it's coming up on Wednesday, March 11th at the Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship at 2, B- 2 p.m. All people are welcome. The Lifesavers Fundraiser Dinner and Program with Live Auction is next Saturday, March 14th at the DeCoyne American Legion Hall at 6 p.m. Lifesavers is a crisis prevention program developed to train young adults to be caring listeners in their interactions with their peers. For more information, contact Laura at 618-615-5753 or Judy at 618-529-5578. Well, that has been the happenings. Unless there's some secret happening just lurking out there Mm -hmm. that someone forgot to email to us. Yes. (laughs) Our email, the general email, is info at yourcommunityspirit.org. And my email is treesong at treesong.org. And if you want your happening to happen, send it to both of us, because then you have a good chance of getting it on the air. We'll be right back with the news. listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Wake up! (laughs) And be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. It is 60 degrees out. I think spring might be coming in like two weeks. And yeah... Are you prepared to be really, really complaining about the heat? Because I know some people were complaining about the cold. <laughs> what I like about Southern Illinois is every day is a surprise when you get up. Yeah. I actually went to hang out my clothes um, yesterday, and I couldn't hang them on the line. It was way too windy. <laughs> it was just even a blanket. I put a whole blanket on there, and it went to go flying off, even with clothespins. <laughs> And so I just saved them, and I'm like, oh, I hope my clothes don't get really musty and moist and, you know, gooey, whatever. (laughs) But it quit being windy, and I woke up at like 3 o'clock in the morning, and I went and hung my clothes. (laughs) Because the wind quit. I woke up because it got quiet. Yeah. And then I was like, why am I awake? Oh, I need to go hang my clothes. And I wanted to see who would be seeing me in my backyard hanging my clothes at 3 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) There were some people walking back from the bar or from some house party. I saw them on the street. So (laughs) someone watched me hang some clothes. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to the news. With all that talk about the fancy electric cars and the plug-in hybrids, it is important to remember that not all of the problems with cars come out of the tailpipe. My other car is a bright green city. Road building itself disrupts watershed hydrology. The crappy cars we drive today spew toxins in every direction. Motor oil leaks, lubricants burns, brakes wear away, particles are thrown off the engines, batteries erode. 
Then, too, keeping the roads clear involves road salts and roadside herbicides. With a massive network of roads and an average of more than three parking spaces per car, that's right, less in dense cities, more in the suburbs, autofocus transportation infrastructure contributes mightily to the heat island effects which worsens air quality and increases energy used on air conditioning. And while asphalt that uses lighter colored rocks can offer some relief, the basic problem is the amount of paved surface itself, and cars demand the most pavement per person of any form of transportation. But water and ecosystem impacts aside, what about the indirect climate impacts of all that road building? A A study quoted in the issue of the Journal of Urban Planning and Development estimates that the greenhouse gases emitted while building and maintaining roads add an additional 45% to the average's car annual carbon footprint. And we continue to build roads at a rapid rate all across North America. Even many shrinking cities are seeing road building in on their suburban fringes increase. Now my question, does our future hold a car in it? Are we going to have cars in our future? I personally think in 50 years there will be no such thing as the personal transportation vehicle as we see it. If there is one, it will be just big enough to hold a person, not one that can hold six and one person's in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. or one that can technically hold six, but it usually holds like you know your extra stuff in the trunk and things like that. <laughs> Well, I or have just heard this trend of people living in their cars now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, the, you know, they get kicked out of their home and they go driving somewhere to look for a job and end up living in their vehicles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is happening more and more. But cars are pretty nice to live in yeah, for short term. Yeah, they're a smaller carbon footprint than a big house, but <laughs> yeah, you don't want to end up going that way and <laughs> avoid it. <laughs> so let's see. Oh, a story about coal. Let's mention this one. Watching their waste, activists and members of Congress push for crackdown on coal waste. A bill that would outlaw the dumping of mining waste into streams was introduced into the U.S. House this week with the aim of reining in the destructive practice of mountaintop removal mining. Also this week, two Democratic senators and 109 environment groups demanded that the U.S. EPA regulate coal ash waste from power plants to prevent further disastrous spills like the one that hit Harriman, Tennessee in December. And the Waterkeeper Alliance unveiled a new anti-coal campaign. So it's been a busy week for issues related to coal. And in case you don't remember that one, that Harriman, Tennessee, that was that giant coal ash spill that, you know, I don't even remember how many acres were destroyed. <laughs> Hundreds of acres. I wonder if this has anything to do with that... Um, power shift group of young people who went to Washington. It could be. They were stirring up trouble specifically related to uh, coal, so... I mean, I understand that they actually had the largest civil disobedience mass protest against coal specifically in the world. I mean, they had over 2,500 people like, actually set it up that they could get arrested. Yeah. (laughs) Protesting the coal plant that's well, powers the the capital. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting that the actual power plant that powers the capital is, well, 
At this point, it, it only uses half coal <laughs> and half natural gas. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, originally it was 100% coal. Um, hey, ho. Hey, hey, ho, ho. Dirty coal has got to go. Mm-hmm. Thousands protest against coal at the D.C.'s Capitol Power Plant. This was an estimated 2,500 people protested outside Washington, D.C.'s Capitol Power Plant on Monday, the nation's largest act of civil disobedience against coal power. Mm. So. Mm-hmm. so let's see, in other news, uh, winging to Washington. European ministers are flocking to Washington, drawn by the new administration's pledge to help lead the fight against climate change. Do, 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 do. Oh, We're fighting the world. <laughs> so Tony Blair has joined the crowds, urging Obama to take bold climate action. Joseph Stiglitz and Nicholas Stern are echoing the point. Recently, Los Angeles voted on something. No solar for smog city. Los Angeles voters appeared to have narrowly rejected the Green Energy Good Jobs ballot initiative, which would have led to the installation of thousands of solar panels on rooftops and parking lots throughout the city. But of course, well, they're going to bring it up to vote again. But yeah, it was a very, very narrow um, loss. But um, I guess they want to keep their, what is it, number one position as Smog City. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Um, oh, yeah, uh, this one's interesting. Uh, jag reflex. Uh, conservati- conservationists are mourning the death of a rare jaguar in Arizona, which may have been hastened by caps- capture and collaring. Um, so I didn't even know there were jaguar in Arizona. I guess it's because it's they're rare. <laughs> It either it either got loose or it was someone's private collection, or there, I mean, there are animals out there that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. We are not an all-knowing species, uh-huh. and jaguars are, I think, aren't they like notoriously very like shy? Yeah, they don't. Well, like a lot of uh, big cats, they don't like hanging around people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, even small cats sometimes. <laughs> That's because they're independent. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it my turn? <laughs> I'm losing place. Have the battle. The UN Environmental Program and other international agencies are calling on automakers to have their greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. Well, maybe the automakers will actually figure out that and sell cars that we want. <laughs> yeah. Not, you know, say, okay, here's your options, or, I don't know, here's the newest, fanciest this, mm-hmm. but, I don't know, I would like, I would like, I would, well, like, I would love an all-electric vehicle. Yeah. That, I mean, I don't even care if it got that many miles on a charge, but just to drive around town, to drive, you know, next door to another town. I mean, not what is it like? Eighty percent of trips are under forty miles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So see the technology. I there. challenge you, automakers, to make a car that can get forty miles to a charge. Oh wait, 
you can get any car and do a conversion kit in your garage and get almost a hundred miles to a charge mm -hmm. and yet an automaker can't make one there's got to be something out mm -hmm. there there's a conspiracy well I think what it indicates is that the uh, the people are smarter than the automakers. <laughs> what? Because I can make something <laughs> in my garage better than an automaker. Apparently, <laughs> I mean you would tend to think otherwise, but evidence indicates you know if the people who are actually making these vehicles are people who go to their garage and change. You know, I realize I'm talking about it, and I have not made one myself. <laughs> I've had my electric car sitting at the battery place for like what <laughs> four months now. A few months, yeah. <laughs> Man, I need to get off my butt. <laughs> I got this great electric car, and it just needs a new set of batteries. Yeah. I think. I mean, it's 1976 car. It might yeah. need a few <laughs> other things. Yeah, but you put in the batteries, and you find out. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, speaking of bright ideas, bright idea. <laughs> <laughs> India will replace 400 million incandescent bulbs with compact fluorescent lights. That's a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a big difference. Yeah, 400 million, that's more... Like, if it was the U.S., that's more than one per person for the U.S. Huh? Yeah, I mean, that is a significant, a significant drop of energy. Yeah, that's a lot of watts. Let's see. What? 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 Um, an incandescent 60-watt bulb. Yeah, you're looking at probably a two-third drop from 60 to... I mean, even if they use a cheap, low-quality compact fluorescent bulb, uh -huh. that's still like 20 watts. Even though you can get the same amount of light for like, ten, like 13 yeah. watts, 10 to 13 watts, yeah. if you buy a better quality <laughs> one. So even if they did a cheap quality one, they're still reducing it, well, to a third. Yeah, yeah. and if, if they say 40 watts per uh, bulb, that's, that'd be 1.6 billion uh, in wattage that they're saving collectively. <laughs> Well, that's per hour. Per hour. <laughs> Holy! So, see? If India can do it... <laughs> so can the U.S. The melting spot. China plans to build 59 reservoirs to collect meltwater from shrinking glaciers. Hey, <laughs> way to use global warming to your advantage. <laughs> the glaciers start melting? Let's yeah. save it. Because we know that there's going to be a shortage of water. Smart. <laughs> All right. So if it's melting anyway, you may as well use it. <laughs> okay, let's see. Uh, animal instinct. Obama restores the endangered species review rule. President Barack Obama has restored a key protection for endangered species, rolling back a contentious last-minute bush rule change that left it up to government agencies to decide on their own whether new dams logging, or mining operations pose a threat to endangered species or their habitat. Now it will again fall to government biologists from the Fish and Wildlife Service or other agencies to determine whether development poses a threat to species. So I guess they're actually going to have to look and use scientific data and such to determine whether or not it'll threaten the species instead of some bureaucrat just saying, uh, I think it'll be okay. It's my opinion. We're, we're fine. I, I saw, you know, I saw <coughs> one of those birds out there on the way to work so I think it's going to be fine <laughs> yeah I saw it as it hit my windshield yeah. <clears throat> so how to go green spring break do you do spring break I don't do spring break but it's almost that time again can you feel it just a few more days left in freedom blessed joyful wonderful freedom 
at least for a week, that is. <laughs> but with everyone you know leaving responsibly in sobriety behind, what's a green guy or gal do? How do you chill out, relax, refresh, have a good time, and still not wreck the planet in the process? <laughs> is it possible to party on the beach without having to pay environmental penance with a boatload of carbon offsets? Interesting, interested in avoiding the harmful emissions from flight? but still itching to do something, something, something for spring break. Why not try taking a road trip? But not just any road trip. How about carpooling? As many people as you can take with you. That's right. Pack them in. Better yet, consider renting a hybrid car to save on gas as well as wear and tear on your old Vita car. Hmm. You've got a week, so no reason to drive all the way across the country. Keeping it closer will also save you on gas and shrink your carbon footprint have you heard about the idea of doing a local tourist vacation that's right go to the local chamber of commerce or local tourism bureau and get one of those pamphlets that say all the stuff tourists should do in your area and then pick some of them and go do them we live here i've only been to the garden of the gods twice i live here yeah <laughs> everybody else drives here to come see it yeah, and then we drive to their bar region to see what they've got there, and they've never been there. <laughs> <laughs> Something else you can do, get your hands dirty. Just because everyone's doing it doesn't mean you have to. Party in Cancun, that is. In fact, more and more students are putting their minds and their hearts to work during this vacation by help someone else or the planet out. Community service officer offices and other study abroad offices on campus often organize trips around the state, country, or even out of the country to do a little volunteering and discovering. Hmm. But don't think you have to clean toilets for 10 days in the backwoods. Plenty of projects include cool things. Like, <laughs> you could help build a house for Habitat for Humanity. Yeah. <laughs> every Saturday in Murfreesboro. <laughs> so, and spring break party scene. Least we forget, it's also possible to party like a rock star. And it's getting easier all the time. Plenty of beer, wine, and alcohol labels are now organic and or biodynamic. Biodynamic. I missed the part in the middle. <laughs> biodynamic. We, um, so, don't you just love it when a good plan comes all together? The party is just getting started. Yes, yeah. This party started. <laughs> so. Green eco party. And it's the fine fun. thing, you want to read about the panties? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we I can't, this we, was a... Yeah, we can't leave without talking about the panties. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, where is that one? I, I've seen that one now. You can go ahead and read that one. Okay. Good thing we're not running cars on women's panties. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah. A Saudi Islamic scholar warns his students not to drive ethanol-powered vehicles, saying that the alcohol content violates the rules of the Koran. Yes. <laughs> Talk about it. Talk amongst yourselves about it. Yes, food for thought. <laughs> we'll see you again next week.